everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. good as I can get that's impressive have you been at the gym no 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 I woke I rolled out of bed savage PCR test a savage Spanish man had a fight with James at breakfast and came out to the room (laughs) have you been training while you're out there though yeah so we've been here what have we been here now um what day is it Wednesday (laughs) I beat the brain could be any day we've been here nine days and I've trained five times so I feel I'm doing good yeah that's pretty good it's not great for me because normally I train more than that but it's great in general yeah all right then okay we're live now so uh, hello everybody hello everybody come on in why don't you the water is warm (laughs) (laughs) are you in bed yeah yeah nice okay let's get to el cuestiones because we are in Spain. <laughs> We're all in Spain now. <laughs> I don't does it does I be three even count as Spain or I don't well, it's know. Spanish, I think... isn't it? It's not Spain. No, it's the Balearic Islands. Okay. So Victoria Jane. Hi, I'm five foot eight and I weigh ten stone three. I have a small amount of body fat to lose, probably about half a stone, and I want to build more muscle. I've lost four pounds already over the last four weeks on 1,800 calories, so my deficit seems to be working. Should I continue on in a deficit to lose the body fat first, or should I be eating more to build muscle at the same time? Thanks. Okay, I would say your deficit's working, so keep going, because you say that you want to lose half a stone, which is, what, seven pounds, so you're halfway there. Um, So keep going. And then when you're happy with the amount of body fat that you've lost, then we can talk about bringing your calories up to maintenance. Um, really start to focus on what well, you should already be, to be honest, but really start to focus on your lifting, lifting to failure, getting in your protein um, and watching your body as the months pass, potentially increasing calories a little bit from maintenance, but nothing crazy because we don't want to regain loads of body fat. And I think you're doing the right thing for now, Emma. Yes, I I agree. I think more broadly, this question around like whether I should be losing fat or building muscle, it's hard and we get the same question again and again because there is quite a lot of nuance to it and people probably hear us saying slightly different things to what might sound like the same question, but it really depends on the individual client and if they're very lean, we might be like, yeah, we need to put you in a bit of a surplus to build muscle. Whereas if they've still got quite a lot of body fat to lose, we're like, yeah, you can probably build muscle while you're losing body fat. So it might seem like we're giving different answers, but it's just dependent on the situation and the client situation. So essentially what we're doing for everyone is giving you the best chance that while you're losing body fat, if that's your goal, you're also building muscle. So we're doing absolutely everything we can for that situation to occur. Now, whether it does or not, like you're already doing all the right things. So I wouldn't over stress about that. And whether it does or not kind of largely depends on how lean you are and how much muscle mass you have left to lose and also how new you are to resistance training so how sensitive your muscles are to the stimulus of exercise that we're giving them but the whole idea behind us 
setting you a protein target and having you resistance train is that you're essentially telling your body, yes, we're in a deficit, so energy has to come from somewhere, but I'm still using this muscle. I'm still exercising this muscle. I'm still putting stress on this muscle. So ideally, could you use body fat, not this muscle mass? Could you not break down this muscle mass for energy? Could you instead use body fat? So it's almost like, think of exercise in some ways as like reminding your body, this is a tissue we're using. Please don't break it down. There you go. Okay, Natalie Reeves, how important is it to stretch pre and post workout? This is my third round. I love the ECM so much. I've been raving about it to anyone who'll listen. Thank you, ladies. But it will be the first where I can actually get to a gym to work out. I've been three times this last week. And by the time I've thrown the kids in the crash and got to the gym floor, there's just about enough time to make it through a workout before it's kiddie pickup time. I'm not excuse me i've not been doing any pre or post workout stretches but i don't want to be risking damage now i seem to have found my flow thank you i would say just doing a really quick um pre-warm-up pre-lift stretch routine is is a good idea just really you know just really nice dynamic fluid movement maybe just mimicking the movement of what you're about to do um sort of like a a warm-up set maybe without the weight um, or read the stretching file. Um, but it doesn't have to be long at all. I think my warm up routine is about two minutes. And then I say post workout, no, that, you know, there's actually, there's really conflicting arguments as to whether or not you should be stretching, be it static, certainly not dynamic, but being static or dynamic post workout. Um, and I just, I don't think it's important at all. Um, Emma. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think especially static stretching pre-workout is particularly bad. So yeah. you, you don't want to be doing that. I think being warm and I think a warm-up set or a few warm-up sets. So say your first exercise was squats. Don't just go in there and be like, oh, I lifted 50 kilograms last week. I'm just going to lift 50 kilograms. No, do some sets with the bar. Do some sets at 30 kilograms and then do your working sets. So that's probably the best way to warm up. And in, in terms of a cool down, like if you can walk back from the gym or do a little bit of a walk or something, that's that's better than just sitting in the car straight away but again I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference um this is slightly different if you have areas that you know need warm-up like say you've got a really bad back maybe there are some sort of activation exercises that you do before you lift or that you do in your warm-up or your kind of rehab routine that you maybe do before you exercise but that would be quite specific I think generally they are slightly overhyped warm-ups especially if you're doing like our gym workouts or our home workouts you don't you know it's it would be different if you're like yeah i'm gonna do a hundred meter sprint max out like we'd be like yeah make sure that you're warm you're warmed up like you're sprinting at maximal speed you'll probably pull your hamstring but when you're doing quite controlled exercise in terms of resistance training and you're not going straight in at your highest weight that you can lift then really the workup sets are acting as a warm-up for you. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Fair point, well made. Okay, Nikki Lilly. I am training for performance... First name, last name, last name, first name. I'm oh, I'm aiming for performance salaries as I'm training for a few half marathons and I like to do a lot of strength and functional exercises. Should I be prioritizing protein and carbs when I work out my calories? Yeah, it's fair to say that if you have a performance goal and, you know, especially half marathons, yes, um, a really nice um, 
intake of protein and carbohydrates is a very good idea. Maybe having more slow release carbs the night before and maybe more fast release carbs before your actual um, half marathon training um, is probably a really nice idea. But yeah, protein is really important for all of you. Performance goal, physique goal, fat loss goal, health goal. Um, it, the answer will always be yes. Yeah, prioritize your protein. Emma? Agreed. Yes. And especially if like fat loss is your goal as well, the, the the relationship between increased protein and satiety is very useful in terms of actually sticking to your calorie allowance. The other thing that I think sometimes endurance athletes maybe neglect a little bit is the importance of protein because they're like, well, maybe I don't really care about building that much muscle. I really just want endurance adaptations, but actually they all require protein as well. Like the increased mitochondria within your working muscles that requires yeah. protein the increased um capillaries that requires protein to build so all of the adaptations to endurance training also require protein yeah and you're still doing damage to lean tissue if you're doing a half marathon run like you you need it's important for recovery for all of you regardless of whether or not you're lifting weights you know the whole idea that protein is only important for people who lift weights and body but it's just absolutely ridiculous um <laughs> i just remember that like a few weeks ago i was in holland and barrett in northampton and there was this old couple and they were looking for protein for him and my guess was that just from looking at him maybe he was going through some kind of cancer treatment and they didn't have this like vegan plant-based protein that had all these added micronutrients in it they just had like your bog standard, to be honest, your bog standard whey proteins. And a lot of them do have added, you know, health bits in it. And she was like, no, 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 no. We don't want anything. We don't want anything that a bodybuilder would take. And I was like, protein powder is protein powder. Is protein. And I just stepped in. I was like, I, I, I take this and it's, it's a really good one. And she was like, oh, okay. And she looked really shit. And she didn't buy it in the end. She walked out. But it's absolutely mad to me that there's still this whole stigma around protein powder. I'm like, what's the problem? Yeah, I think there is. And I don't know if it's partly like the marketing as well, because it is often less so now, I think, but it used to be like on the cover or in like all the magazines, it'd be like, take this protein, and then it'd be like an absolutely shredded bodybuilder. And you're like, well, yeah. you can see like why people would put two and two together there. Yeah, it's so funny to me. Okay, Emma Lydon, not including warm up and cool down. I have 45 minutes to do the workouts. Will this be enough time? Yes. All of my workouts you can you will do in probably under 45 minutes. I really like the only time I ever exceed. I'm never training up to an hour ever um, in terms of lifting. Uh, the only time I start to get close to that 60 minute mark ish is if I'm doing like lower body and I'm good. I'm doing like a lot of work, which I don't always. Sometimes I'll only do four exercises. Um, but yes, and I'm sure Emma will say the same. Emma. Yeah, agreed. I never really spend more than 40 minutes in the gym. Um, the only time I do is when I'm faffing around, basically. Uh, Faffing, yeah. yeah. Faff, sitting you know? on your phone. Sitting on a machine on my phone, taking it up for everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, okay, Meg Rutherford. Hello, I don't own a set of weighing scales and I don't have access to any. I cancelled my gym membership in lockdown in favour of home and outdoor workouts. I know you use it as a data point amongst other things rather than a target in and of itself, but is it worth getting them? Look, we can go on a variety of data points for you guys. Um, waist and thigh measurements um, are great for us if you want to take more chest, arm, whatever, go for it. But 
I mean, for me, especially with women, waist and thigh, I usually the ones I'll look at. Um, as well as, you know, progress photos every four weeks. So at the halfway at the beginning, halfway point end, happy with that. Is it an added data point, which we, we like, because the more we can get, the better, because, you know, results are going to show themselves in a variety of different ways for all of you for different reasons at different times. Um, yes, it's helpful, but do you absolutely need to for us to be able to monitor you and you to be able to monitor yourself? No, you don't. Um, Emma? Yeah, no, I mean, nothing really to add there. I think, yeah, the scales are useful, but doing they're, so not, well. they're not essential, are they? Like, no, it depends what your goal um, is to an extent. And we know that it's not, if fat loss is your goal, like the scales aren't directly measuring fat loss. So if you're using other markers, you're doing progress photos, you're getting your measurements done, you're looking at your gym performance, then yeah, fine. Um, okay. Ilana Rappaport. Rappaport. Ooh, Rappaport. Okay, I will not. <laughs> what a name! I will not have gym access for the first fifteen days as I am on holiday. Brap, the holiday massive. I presume it's okay to do home body weight and then switch to gym afterwards. Yes, of course. This is why we provide all types of workouts for every situation. Catherine Jones, very excited. As well as doing the gym workouts, am I okay to get my ten k steps in by going for? A Okay, I think better. It's almost as if Scotland and I don't want to know each other. <laughs> Very strange. Um, okay. Okay. Excellent. So Let's you were talking going. about um, steps. Huh? You were talking about steps and if you can go for a run. Yeah, steps is steps is steps. So we don't care if you guys are just up and about moving all day and you're hitting 10 thousand steps you don't care if you have to go for a run oh i was saying typically i'll tell clients do 10 to 20 minutes of an incline treadmill walk walk after your workout and let's see where we end up obviously i don't want to push your cardio too high but we do want to hit like 70k minimum weekly steps and honestly if you have a fat loss goal anything in between that 10 to 15k step bracket is great um, but what we do is what we have to do is we have to meet you where you are and we have to work with you to climb you up gradually so it doesn't feel like you're taking on too much of a challenge and you're wasting your time. The last thing we want is for you guys to resent this and forcing yourself to go out for walks. Um, yeah, I think it can be quite overwhelming if you're someone who has quite a sedentary life initially and you'll realise that actually as you change some of your habits, you, you're able to get more and more steps and that's excellent. But please don't be overwhelmed by a 10,000 step target like if you're initially starting at around 5,000 steps but by the end of the first week you're averaging closer to 7,000 steps like that's incredible that's great and we'll keep trying to push you up a little bit but equally if you legitimately can't or don't want to get 10,000 steps in it doesn't mean that you can't get results like we recommend that largely for health reasons as well as for energy expenditure reasons but if we need to work around that, we absolutely can and we absolutely will. Like if you're injured or if you've just had, I don't know, if there's just some reason that you can't get your steps in, that doesn't mean that you can't get results. So don't so don't see it as like a, a failure. It's just another thing that we need to work around. Yeah, agreed. It, it's for health, yeah, for health reasons as well. There are certain things that, I think sometimes we go ahead, we have a victim mentality about like what we can and can't do and what takes effort. And like, this is what I always say. And Emma did a great post on it the other day as well. Like 
sometimes you just have to parent yourself like you know you're, you you got to take care of your body if you want to have a nice long healthy happy life so yeah it's one of those things maybe you need to just be like suck it up I just got to get out get on with it um, yeah and I think sometimes realizing as well like even just the way you frame it like okay you could instead of saying that's why I was a bit hesitant to be like if you can't get 10,000 steps in like realistically anyone can everything in your life is a choice and you might be like well I've got a busy job and blah 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 like you can like if I it's not the problem isn't an ability thing it's a priority thing and it's fine for you to have your own priorities we're not here to tell you what your priorities should or shouldn't be and you might say yeah I'm going to prioritize my work over getting in some extra steps which is fine and which maybe you should be doing but it's still your choice and I think as soon as you look at everything in your life like that as in I am choosing this not it's been forced upon me not this like Chloe's saying like a bit of a victim mentality that I'm taking ownership for all my actions because essentially they are all choices whether they're harder or easier choices to make and it's sure it is harder for some people and it is easier for other people but it's still your choice at the end of the day and I think like a huge mindset shift for me over the last couple of years is just like owning all of my actions owning all of my choices and knowing that everything at the end of the day is a choice even if you might think oh well it's not a choice you know like I have to do this well like you're still making the choice like even if you take it to the extreme like you're still making a choice to have a job probably a very good choice but it's still your choice like everything in your life is your choice and that really changes from that like a fixed mindset to a growth mindset where everything is changeable if you want to change it you just decide what you want to do there and sometimes I use this example and it's pretty freaking extreme but if I had like a gun to your head or someone you love's head and I was like get 10,000 steps in today or this it's like I'm gonna kill you or kill your dog or something like that like of course you could do it it's not it's not an ability problem right it's a priority problem and and as I said like we're not here to tell you what your priorities have to be but even when you take it to that extreme you realize okay well actually it is my choice and I do have ownership over this and and that's like that's a big difference in mindset as to how you're approaching things I love that it's so true Emma always says it like um even if it's not your fault and you're like, oh, this thing happened and it's out of my control, so now I have to suffer, it's, that's still a victim mentality and that's not how you want to be because the more that you take control over your life and your choices, the, the more you're going to succeed at the things you want to succeed in because it all comes down to you at the end of the day. Like Nothing's going to happen for you. Um, yeah. And I love that from, from Emma. That's a really good I, point as well about like even if it's not your fault, still take ownership like taking ownership has nothing to do with you saying that was my fault like it might not be your fault you might be in some ways the victim of a circumstance but if you're still taking ownership for your response then then you've got that like ownership over your life effectively yeah exactly um okay hi ladies uh abby shalcross hi ladies i'm five foot three 52 kgs and my goal is to get stronger and build some muscle do you sometimes think these sound like dating profiles? Hi, my name's Jenny. I'm five foot three. I really like walking my dog and I'm just here to lose a little bit of body fat. Welcome, Jenny. <laughs> Welcome to the EC method, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny from Slough. <laughs> um, I'm five foot three, 52 kgs, and my goal is to get strong and build muscle. Should I go straight into maintenance or hypertrophy? 
also okay so let's do that first so what we i would want you ideally to start um in at your maintenance calories and again this applies to all of you training with the goal to build muscle which means lifting in the sets and reps range we give you lifting to failure working fucking hard in the gym making sure you're getting your protein in per meal per day um and i would say start at maintenance let's monitor you see what happens and potentially bring you up to a slight surplus over time emma yeah i think this is a good point to make that like our broad range for ev like our broad sort of goals for everyone now we never set you goals but this is a really like overarching thing is to have you in a healthy weight range and when i say range like that could be you know there might be a five six seven kilogram range there where you're a healthy body weight and lifting to build muscle like that should kind of be the end goal for people. Now where you sit in that range and what's important to you at different times, like that's individual and what your specific goals are or might be. But generally like that's where we want most people to end up sitting is in a healthy weight range, aiming to build some, or lifting in a way to build some muscle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. If it looks like I'm typing, it says I'm trying to answer questions at the same time. Oh, don't worry. So I think getting... I answered a few that I thought wouldn't be would be more useful in text so i've seen emma so i've seen mm -hmm. um also having never tracked my calories before i have no idea what my maintenance calories are and therefore i don't know what adding 10 percent to get to my calorie target would be how do i work this out i know you said to start 1600 calories for fat loss i couldn't see a number for maintenance or hypertrophy is there a rough starting number thank you so i do think we cover this in the video right that's pinned to the top but I, I would say at five foot three, which is little, and 52 kgs, which is light, I would probably start you on a 17 to 1800 calorie bracket and watch what your weight was doing. And if your weight started to trend down, I would then increase those calories. If your weight was stable and we had like a good two, three weeks of stability, I would increase those calories. And if your, week, if your weight started to slowly trend up every three, four weeks, then we're probably in a good spot for you. Um, we do not want you to be losing weight if getting stronger and building muscle is the goal. We maintaining weight for periods of time, yes, but we do want incrementally as the weeks and months pass to see small increases in your weight. Um, anything that happens too quick, we had this with Ollie in the last round. He gained a lot very, very quickly. It means you're in too high of a surplus. Um, so there's a nice sweet spot. Abby, you know what? You know, this is real kind of coaching. So if you want to tag Emma and or I in a post and we can set you up right off the bat so you know what you're doing, it's probably more appropriate than doing it on the live. So just do that. Emma, anything to add? No, I think that's great. And I think um, it is quite hard. It, it's almost easier to set people fat loss or, well, yeah, fat loss targets than it is maintenance because maintenance is more specific. Like, So say we're giving relatively generic target of starting point at 1600 and let's see what happens and let's monitor and adapt the reason that it doesn't need to be that specific is because if you're in a 300 calorie deficit or a 400 calorie deficit it doesn't really matter whereas maintenance is a little bit of a tighter rope i guess if that makes sense like it's it's kind of harder to figure out what your maintenance is from scratch um but what chloe suggested is spot on and again it's going to be a sensible estimate and then monitoring and adapting from there. Exactly. Um, 
Sharon. Okay, Ollie's already answered this. Thank you, Ollie. And I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be savage in a second. Sharon, I'm super excited to get started. I haven't yet looked at the workouts. I'm planning to train at home. I'm sure they'll include warm-up and cool-down elements. My question is, do you recommend any stretching routines in addition? Can you please recommend any online routines that I can follow? Thank you. Ollie's answered that. Thank you. Guys, when you ask questions like this, it makes me realize something. <laughs> You haven't read the announcements post, which we need you to read. Go into click on announcements on Facebook and read all of our posts because this is how we're going to set you up for the next eight weeks. We tell you everything, how the whole thing works, what to do. And we say in the announcements post, read the files, read the files, read the files, read the files. We have an intro to nutrition file, a tracking file, a stretching file. We've got files on everything that I spent a very long time creating to cater to everybody. So please do go and read them. Same thing goes yesterday. I was answering tags and a lot of people were asking about the workouts. Read the details tab at the top of the workouts. That is in the welcome pack file. I say read the details tabs. All the sets and reps, how many days a week. There's a reason there's only two weighted, well, two to three weighted workouts in there for the home weighted workouts. Please read the details tab. It's really important. Please read the files, I mean. Okay. Next one. Kate Bartram. Hey, do you have any recommendations for stopping acid reflux? So uh, for me, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it's a physiological thing where is it your like esophagus closes at the wrong time and your stomach acid comes back up. And I don't I mean, I, I don't. I'm, that's a, that's what I think. But I'm not a doctor. Um, for me, it happens when I have certain things in my diet, and it's typically alcohol, specific kinds of alcohol, and citric, cit citrus fruits, any kind of citric acid um, is really, really common. And I find that a lot of people can relate to that. People who drink a lot of wine oh, you've as just... well talk about getting really bad acid reflux. Oh, nothing. I saw what it stop, saying? but we're good. We're good. We're fine. <clears throat> okay. Um, for me, I think look at your diet. But ultimately, I mean, I don't know what the causes for you might be, Kate. And if it's if you don't drink alcohol and you don't have a lot of citric acid in your diet, grapefruit juice really gets me. That that's a killer for me. Um, I would say go go to the doctor and just and just see what they say. Emma, like yeah, I would definitely go to the doctor just because if it's long term, it can be like it can be quite a well I would, like I'm not going to scare you here like but it just you want to get it sorted it's not something that you just want to leave even if it's not causing you a huge amount of problems it's just like the long-term exposure to acid coming back up your throat isn't a good thing um I think most of the suggestions are around as Chloe's saying avoiding very acidic foods like um grapefruit juice <laughs> or spicy foods I think as well have an impact there and sometimes like fizzy juice can make you I guess just like burp more and that like reflux and then finally not eating too close to bed because I think lying flat um isn't particularly good for it either so those things and then I think you can get like over-the-counter type remedies like those little peppermint fizzy things have you got some yeah because every time I go on holiday and I drink more than normal I bring my Rene Rene yeah that's Rene. it that's yeah it. Yeah, so I think those things, and then definitely just speak to your doctor about it, just to get it checked out and see what they suggest as well. I don't know, it, I would look as well when it's happening to you, and then you can probably figure out what's causing it. If you're like, oh, I always get it when I eat close to training. Okay, but maybe we need to move your meal further away from training, or 
I always do get it when I'm lying in bed at night. Okay, well, maybe you need to move your last meal a bit earlier in the day so that you haven't eaten so close to go to bed. Yes, I agree. Okay, Kyla Ann. Hi, my goal is hypertrophy, but I'm struggling with higher calories psychologically. Is there any benefit? Yeah, psychologically. Is there any benefit to starting hypertrophy in my deficit and increasing up to maintenance slowly or on training days only as a way to ease myself in? Thank you. So I think psychologically, and I think Emma agrees with this, actually. Yes, I think it's a really good idea to work up from your deficit into maintenance, into potentially a very slight surplus slowly I think psychologically it's really beneficial I also think there are benefits to it physiologically as well um I think it's a good idea so if your deficit is 1600 why don't we start you in a 17 to 1800 calorie bracket leave you there for two three weeks and then see where you're at um and then potentially increase you again I do think psychologically it's a very good thing to do um and I think that's perfectly normal and perfectly okay um and we will get you to a point where it feels very normal routine pleasant and enjoyable being on higher calories and not so scary and intimidating um that yeah I agree the only caveat I would give is like depending on where you are if you're really lean already and essentially what we're doing here is prolonging your deficit that's not a good place to be. Like if you're already very lean and you shouldn't be losing any more body fat, then we really need to bring your calories up a fair bit quicker so that you're no longer in a deficit. Because what we're doing here by doing it slowly is meaning that, yeah, you're in a smaller deficit than you previously were, but you're still in a calorie deficit. And actually, if you are lean, I mean, in terms of the physiological response to hypertrophy, it's very unlikely that you're going to be very lean building muscle in a calorie deficit. That's not going to happen. So you're almost like delaying the progress you could be making with strength gains. If from a psychological perspective that you feel like that's the only way that you can increase your calories, absolutely, let's do it a little bit slowly. But don't, I think sometimes this happens and then people just sort of stagnate it. Okay, so I'm happy to move my calories from 1500 to 1600 and then they just stay there and they're still in a deficit. So make sure that you are still increasing those calories and that you are getting up to maintenance and then maybe erring on the side of a bit of a surplus. But I think the the real benefit from doing it slowly and and what will help you psychologically is realizing nothing bad happens and actually you have much more energy and you can enjoy more food. And I think the slower approach helps in that, yeah, you're just, instead of like pushing you right out of your comfort zone, we're just having you take one step out of your comfort zone and then being like, okay, I'm fine on 1600 calories. Okay, let's take another step. Okay, I'm fine on 1800 calories. Okay, let's push that up a little bit more. Okay, actually I can maintain my weight on around 2000 calories. Excellent, we got you there. So just remember it is still a process and that you will still be in a deficit. And as much as like taking it a little bit slower is is fine, we don't want to take it too slow and we don't want to just prolong the period of time that you're still in a deficit. Yeah, but we also want to avoid that really typical client trap of like increasing calories, freaking out, going back into a deficit, increasing how like it's like, oh, shit, my computer's doing something now. Um, That's definitely something that I see happen a lot. And it's something that I really work on with my one to ones is like, let's try and yeah, let's try and make the changes start to I think all of you as well need to work on your mental approach with food because it's really typical and really common 
then excuse me huh, a little bit of acid, acid reflux or the tequila um I think it's really common and really normal that um women come into a, any a coaching like this but just generally in life with a really fearful mentality around food and I think I put this in my announcement post because we have such hyper palatable wonderful food uh, you know available all day every day now and it tastes great and and we enjoy eating it and and it's given us a really and then obviously there are ramifications of that we all know you gain weight rapidly but now you've got something in your life that you really enjoy that you don't want to get rid of but now this horrible other thing is happening on the other side of it and we get into this horrible cycle and horrible approach and horrible relationship to food and our bodies and vice versa and what we need to do is we need to take a step back and be very objective and be quite wise about this and say okay this is what's happening the human body isn't meant to be the human body is designed for starvation it is not designed for overfeeding and if we've learned anything in the last few decades it's that about, about the body and and the fact of the matter is is that we need to say step back be very objective and be less emotive around food and say this is the problem and it's not my fault but this is the problem so how am i going to start to treat my body in terms of what it needs in terms of calories and in terms of health and then understand that life has developed to a point now where social enjoyment and food enjoyment is a part of joy it's a part of our joy how am i going to incorporate that at the right times in the right places for the right reasons and it's not all day every day it's 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 a joyful celebration you don't celebrate your birthday every day you shouldn't fall into chocolate cake every day it's that simple and you have to be objective about it and you have to again full circle back to my last point you have to parent yourself um and and get out of this horrible cycle of like shame and food and 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 feeling controlled by it because you're not um and yeah i just want everyone to kind of really work on that because that's where you're going to really get some good momentum physically and mentally yeah, that's how you're going to maintain your results is changing the way that you're thinking about things. And and like a good point you made there is that if you're doing it every day, multiple times a day, it's no longer a treat. And part of like something that you enjoy that's a treat is like the scarcity of it as well. That, oh, now and again, I go out and I have some chocolate cake and that makes it special and that makes it enjoyable. Whereas if you have it all the time, actually you you kind of take some of the joy away from it anyway like some kind of restriction like I know people hate that and you've spoken about this before but like some kind of it's not restriction that you use uh what's the word determination no what what are you saying I was gonna say some kind of restriction is good but you don't normally use the word restriction you use do I do and people have such a fucking issue with it and you make a great point and I agree with you and it's why I use the word restriction because we have overindulgence everywhere and so that means as a default kind of uh, combat to that we have to be restrictive in every sense of the word you can't sleep every day till midday you have to fucking set your alarm and get up it's so annoying this whole like woe is me oh my god I was in such I get it people have had a horrible experience with food people have gone through a horrible relationship with their body but then what's happened is we've just added more emotion to the situation instead of doing what we should be doing which is stepping back and being practical about the whole thing to take emotion out of it so we can handle it sorry yeah. but <laughs> no you're so spot on and like even when you take a step back and look at fat like people again it's like the worst word to use or now it's becoming more acceptable but there's so much emotion involved in that word and it's like okay well you've you've stored a little bit more energy you've taken in more energy than you've expended 
that it says nothing bad about you. Don't put all this shame around it. Don't put all this guilt around it. Don't put all this emotion around it. You have some extra energy and you said that you wanted to get rid of it. Okay, here's how we get rid of it. Boom. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I, I like, can I just reiterate it? Like, I'm all for these people who post like their experiences and how hard it has been and the body acceptance that they're going through. But they're so, they're still so weighted in emotion. And they're so it's still so weighted in body hang up. And I I, I like that, that this alternative perspective. I think it's good to look at all these different perspectives. I think it helps. But then I think like, can we now move to a new point where we start being a little bit more objective and practical about the whole thing? Because ultimately, like, I don't know, it just still reads to me as very affected. Does that make sense? I think like the overarching thing for most of these things is it's still not taking ownership of your results like if you if body acceptance is i'm accepting that the choices i've made have resulted in the body i have fine yeah whatever body you want but it's i think that acceptance is what gives you power to then if you choose to make a change if you want to and again no one's telling you what to do with your body if you choose to make a change then it's in your control rather than saying like this has happened to me and there's nothing i can do about it exactly um we've got a couple okay morning ladies jealous of you being an ibiza chloe not an urgent question but where can i get ec method crop top (laughs) (laughs) well emma someone else says bring on the merch emma my top from the first round is too big now yeah i might do one in this round basically where it will be is i'll post it i'll post it in the group (laughs) every time chloe's like don't do it you hate doing it and i'm like yeah, it'll be fine this time. Every time something goes wrong. Something every single time. <laughs> oh, okay. You've not guys how much of an effort it is. <laughs> right. What's the best macro sp- split for building muscle on 1800 calories? Or does it not really matter as long as you're hitting your protein target? Yeah, hit your calories. Hit your protein target. How you split fats and carbs. Emma and I do not mind. If we're going to be totally honest, if performance and muscle building is the goal, you're probably going to do better on slightly higher carbs, slightly lower fat. Um, but ultimately, it's it's like the specifics, the like actual numbers, it's completely up to you um, as long as your targets are calories, protein, then whatever. Agreed. A <clears throat> um, couple of quickish questions. I cycle commute loads, so walk less. I know if my app tracks, uh, I don't know if my app tracks cycling yet, but generally should i include this in my steps also i've put uh, i've just ordered some creatine which is arriving today have no idea really what it does can you do a quick breakdown on, on how to take it uh yeah so with the cycling what i suggest is if you i think i might have actually it might be a different person i don't know But if you're cycling a lot, so there's one girl, and I don't know if it's you or not, who's cycling to and from work every day, 50 minutes round trip, and she said it's quite a tough cycle. So I said, okay, fine, keep doing that. Let's see where your steps are coming out at the end of the week. Let's see what your weight starts to do over the next few weeks. And if we need to reassess the situation, we will, but it might be, and it likely will be that you're doing enough that we don't need to worry too much about the step side. So really, again, this is about working with you, watching what your data does, and then reassessing what we can do. So let's do that. Do your cycle, see what your steps are doing, give it a few weeks, see what your weight's doing, and then we'll figure it out from there. Um, 
Recreatine, so we want it's creatine monohydrate, it's three to five grams a day, every day, doesn't matter when you take it at all. The goal is to saturate the muscle, um, and that's about it. Yeah, and in terms of how it will help you, it should be able to, it should help you lift heavier weights. And also, there's some interesting research around cognitive benefits as well. So bonus, bonus, and there's really no negative side effects apart from potentially a small amount of water retention. Um, um, which is the goal. You know, I I did a, like, a, oh my God, so when I did a Q&A a couple of weeks ago, it was like, I shit you not, about 90% of the questions were about creatine. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to answer them all. So what I'll do is I'll go back into my story archive, I'll download all of them, and I'll put them up as a post on my Instagram page today. So just go oh, and read it. Job. And it yeah. literally breaks down it from start to finish. So we'll do that. Perfecto. Um, okay, we're good on the live. Fine. Okay, fine. How's the connection? Fine, I think. <laughs> Living in fear. Okay. Karen Hamilton, I'm training for a half marathon. The race is the 10th of October, but my goal is fat loss to help improve my performance. So I'm going to start on 1600 calories. I currently run four days a week, a mix of easy, long and hard. And I do two strength sessions. Can I keep this plan or should I add an extra strength session on the easy run day? Also, on running days, my daily step counts will exceed 10K. But does this count if the steps are from running and not exercise-related activity? Thank you. Um, okay, so I would say, can we start in a 17 to 1800-calorie bracket and see how we go from there? 1600 seems quite low for someone with that expenditure. And I might even want to increase you, but, you know, fat loss is, is you know, will err on the side of caution. Uh, I would say we ideally would want maybe do three full body sessions. Yeah. On your rest days. Uh, well, three full body sessions on your non run days or on those easy run days. Yeah. Um, and steps to steps to steps. Again, we don't care how you hit them as long as you hit them. Emma. Yeah, I think 1600 will be too low. So definitely 17 to 1800. And then let us know how you feel, how your running performance is, what your energy levels are like. And then maybe we'll change it again from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared to say something that I want to say because I don't want to plant a seed in your head that then becomes just like, you know, psychological thing. But Emma will know what I'm thinking. We do have experience with people who have crazy high step counts of like 18K or have endurance goals and calories. So just keep an eye on it and tell us if you're struggling. That was so cryptic. I don't want to say something. If I say it, then she might turn around, then she might be like, oh, my, like start to think it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like if you yeah. say things, if you say to people like you might really struggle on the diet, then like in a week, they're going to be like, I'm really struggling <laughs> on the diet. And it's like, fuck, like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy a lot of the time. All the time, all the, especially when it comes to food. Um, okay. Michelle Heslop. Hi, Emma and Chloe. I'm just buzzed about being on this journey. The timing is perfect. A couple of questions. I weighed myself and I'm 71 kg. Should I still start with 1800 calories or is it okay to start with 1600? 
If you're over 70 kg, you can start higher. So I'd start with it 17 to 1800 calorie bracket. I like that's them's. I know it sounds counterproductive, but trust me, them's the rules. <laughs> and wanting to lose fat and <laughs> wanting to lose fat and build muscle, so I'll be hitting the gym. I'm also a strange mix of vegetarian and vegan, so I'm limited re-protein. I'm okay with tofu, great, and corn, great. But it, is it okay to include chickpeas and red kidney beans, even though it's listed as carbs in the food Bible? Mega thanks. Yeah, look, it's I'm fine with that. Just be aware that it might, just be aware we want you in your calories hitting your protein. And the more that you go with combined plant-based proteins like that, it's fine. But the more you're going to see your other macros start to tally up, which might find that you hit your cut, your, your cut calories and your protein isn't getting hit. So just be very mindful of those ratios. But yes, it's fine. Emma? Yeah, yeah I agree. And like sometimes it's quite hard to categorize foods exactly because like you're saying, chickpeas have carbs in. They also have um, protein in. So is it a carb or a protein? Well, it's a food that has some of both yeah. in. So yeah, I mean, if you want to get even more into it that like chickpeas don't have a full amino acid spectrum but if you're having a variety of protein throughout the day then i wouldn't over worry about it and if you can hit your protein target as a vegan slash vegetarian that's like that's the main focus there really yeah okay kelly swinsco Hey, first time for me. I'm currently sitting at around 58 kg. I'm very active in the fact that I teach five to six hit classes per week and hit between 12 to 14 steps per day. Yep. My goal is to build muscle. I love the CrossFit physique. Love this. So my question is, should I be starting at maintenance calories or hypertrophy? Thank you. Right. 58 kg already like five to six hit classes a week is a lot of expenditure as is 12 to 14 K steps per day. If you want to build muscle, uh, you need to be on on higher calories than your average person. So I would say, um, why don't we start you at maybe like an 18 to 1900 bracket? But again, tag us because it might well be and I predict it will be that you need to be on more than that. I just always like to start in a cautious area and then go progress from there. But um, yes, tag us because I think we need to give you some coaching. Em? Agreed. Yeah. Fab. Anything on the live? No, we're good. Are we, have we got to the yeah. end of the questions? Huh? You look like a really cute little cat there. No. I feel like a cute I don't at all. I feel like a ginormous holiday bloated whale. <laughs> um, nothing on the live? No, we're good. Okay, Claire Thompson. Why do I know that name? Oh, my first boyfriend's sister is called Claire Thompson. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm really excited to start. <laughs> it's true I'm really excited to start but over the last year I've been really struggling with binge eating as I think I found life hard as I'm sure everyone else has too but I seem to really eat my feelings and it's worrying me that I'm going to constantly overeat on my calorie allowances each day as I've yet to find a coping mechanism for emotional eating I've tried journaling and meditation but it doesn't seem to help that much okay Claire so there's there's binge eating, which is one thing, and it's kind of like people would describe it as like an unconscious state, like a real compulsion. And then 
And then there's emotional eating, which is similar, but not the same thing. It's different. Now, if you're struggling with binge eating disorder, you need to you need to see a specialist who specializes in eating disorders and can help you deal with this because Emma and I aren't qualified in that area. What we do is very practical. Um, and this is a psychological issue. Um, can phrase again? Are you back? Oh, no, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? No. <laughs> no, I, I, you're, you're kind of like dropping in and out, but I can kind of hear you and see you. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, yeah, just continue then because I can hear you. So that must mean that other people can. Ew. I so sure. I'm on an island. Um... <laughs> We can give you we can give you practical um, measures that would allow you to a diet on higher calories so that you can have the foods that you normally would psychologically feel restricted on, but you can have them in your day to day diet so you don't feel so restricted. We can talk about giving you untracked meals throughout the course of the week again so you feel like you're not all or nothing. We can kind of bleed in a little bit more freedom with food. We can talk about not keeping piles of junk food in the house so that when you have a stressful day, you have a stressful episode, you don't just fall face first into a box of chocolate that you keep in the cupboard. There are practical measures we can give you. But if you're really talking about binge eating disorder, this is an eating disorder and that's what you need to get help for. So I think have a think about which side of the spectrum you fall on and then tag us. Emma, you're good with this kind of thing. Talk to us. I think like knowing when to refer out is really really important so as chloe said like if this is if you think this is an eating disorder then definitely we and we've got really good contacts as well so if you want someone you can just message us and we can introduce you to them the other thing is just to go to your gp because they'll be able to refer you to someone locally as well um if it's not that because sometimes it's used as slang and it's like oh i binge and really what you mean is on occasion i overeat and sometimes i feel sad and i eat a bit too much that's that's slightly different and I think one of the key differences is do you feel like you can stop I think that's one of the defining things it is like an uncontrollable like when you're truly binging it's usually you do it in secret you do it alone and you feel like you can't stop eating even though you want to I think that's like one of the defining differences between comfort eating or overeating and actual binge eating disorder um so when it comes to emotional eating and I'm glad you've tried meditation and I'm glad you've tried journaling in all honesty it's it's probably not worked yet because you've potentially not been doing it for long enough or doing it consistently enough like those things tend to work and really what you're doing there which is an amazing thing to do and a really freaking hard thing to do and it won't it won't be like a linear process in terms of just feeling better and better and better the more you journal there'll be some times where you feel like it's not working but you need to keep pushing through that because essentially what you're doing instead of acting on your emotions or finding another coping mechanism you're instead sitting with your feelings accepting them exploring them a little bit and then moving on and what happens with most feelings and this includes like cravings and hunger and being sad and being angry is that they come in a wave and actually if you can ride that wave out it will fall down again like there'll be a peak where you do feel really sad and maybe you want to eat those feelings or you do feel you have got loads of cravings and maybe you do want to eat what you're craving. But actually, if you just sit with it and let it pass, it does pass. And when you kind of realize that and you've got the, I guess it's like partly self-control, but like the capacity to do that, which by the way, it's a really, really hard thing to do. 
to feel something and then not feel like you immediately want to act on it that's a huge skill and like if you can master that you're ahead of 99.9% of people in like every facet of life and food is just one area where people struggle with that but it could just be like it's the same as like not snapping at people it's that pause between this is something I'm feeling and this is how I want to respond but then thinking is that the response that I actually want to give the same is true with like your response to food or your response to any emotion so by journaling and by meditating and by just being more conscious and more aware of that that's like that's the key really but if that's something you're really struggling with in terms of binge eating then do see a specialist because you don't need to feel like that forever and please don't suffer unnecessarily when you could be getting some help i love everything you just said um okay should we do one more question yeah okay sabrina van tonda stop new favorite name alert <laughs> right favorite name has been decided for where's this she round. from everybody else try your hardest to beat that <laughs> but where's sabrina she from van tonda. i feel like it's like it's over yonder <laughs> sabrina it's over yonder <laughs> anyway okay let's move on Hello, you gorgeous gurus of fitness. Yes. Yes, we are. (laughs) And back for round two. Whoop, whoop. I do not remember your name, Sabrina. And I feel like this is a name I would remember. Maybe she recently got married. I'm jealous. Where's my husband, Van Tonda? He's over yonder. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. So I'm back for round two. Whoop whoop. I I have triathlon two weeks today. I've been doing three gym sessions, push, pull legs, and three cardio sessions a week. Run, swim, bike. Should I continue on with this for the next two weeks or just focus on the cardio? Thank you in advance, you guys of the dream. Babe, that is br- a brilliant split. I'm all for it. I do think uh, the week preceding the triathlon you should drop the gym sessions um just for recovery uh and yeah take do your do your run swim bike but take it a little bit easier like pull back a bit um but uh, yeah I that's personally what I would recommend Emma what do you think yeah agreed I would also taper with the running swimming and bike as well so what most people do like elite athletes that are performing triathlons would still probably do their run swim and bike but they massively drop the volume so say they usually go for a 10 mile run they might do a three or a three mile run at race pace or something so that you're still getting that stimulation but you're not fatiguing yourself so that might be something to consider just dropping the volume down in that week before your race but that's very exciting please let us know how you do mm-hmm Uh, anyway so that was extremely fun for me i'm sorry that the reception is so bad guys obviously i am on holiday it is the first holiday i've had in 13 months i promise i'm not just a complete waste man um but the reception isn't great but at least at least we're here but we're here and as of next week we'll be back to normal schedule we're doing saturday this week aren't we yeah, so uh, th- Friday's a travel day for me. Tomorrow's very tricky for me because I'm seeing my friends out here before we leave um, at a barbecue. Um, and then Saturday we'll do a live. 
and then we will be back to a normal schedule on Monday, which will be lovely for all of you as well. It will. Okay. Um, and we'll see you in the group, no doubt. Frozen. <laughs>